Have you ever, you guys can be seated, have you ever tried to navigate your way around a dark room in the middle of the night? And uh, you're reaching for, for anything or everything or something to help you uh, not fall in this death trap you call your kid's room, right? Uh, and then inevitably, I mean, you, you're trying to get to the other side in the middle of the room. All of a sudden, oh, you stump your toe on the foot of the bed. Or, or maybe you're trying to get to the other side of the room and you stump your toe on, on the dresser and only to be followed by stepping on the landmine that is the Legos your kids were playing with earlier that day. Well, that, that's how it is trying to navigate this world or trying to navigate culture. It, 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 it's dark and we're desperately, people are desperately trying to grab onto anything and everything or something to help prevent them from falling or stepping on a landmine. And the reason why it's so difficult to navigate culture in the dark is because everybody says that there's a different kind of truth or a different kind of path and, and we don't really know what we're up against. But then we come up against a, a passage like we're, come up against today and Jesus says to us I can turn on the light and so John John chapter 8 verse 12 Jesus says this he says when Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world and we're going to let that sink in today and, and give the, you know, understand the backdrop of what he's saying behind this, behind this point. But he says, I am the world and whoever follows me, key phrase there, follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's where we're going this morning in John chapter 8. And I just want to give us uh, three, three things that the text points out to us. Give them to you up front, and then we'll unpack them as we go along, as we uh, come around this beautiful passage this morning. So three things that the, that the uh, text points out for us this morning. Um, it says uh, that, what does it mean that, that Jesus is the light of the world? So, I mean, okay, so we've heard that phrase, but what does that really mean for, uh, in the Bible? That, what does it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world? Uh, how do we get his light into our lives? Because we desperately need that. And, and then last, and, and, and probably most important for us this morning, because we all want something practical to hold on to in the darkness, is how will his light impact our lives? And it's so key into living out the Christian life. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 this morning. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Um, but John chapter 8, as we continue our series uh, going through the gospel uh, of John. And so let's just jump right in. It says, what does it mean uh, when that Jesus says that he is the light uh, of the world? Well, Jesus, this whole chapter, John chapter 8, we've been in for a few days, for a few weeks. This whole chapter takes place at the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is this Jewish celebration um, that would take place every fall around the harvest time. And the reason why they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, it was, it was because it reminded the people of Israel how God had taken care of their ancestors after the exodus from Egypt. That after the exodus from Egypt, they'd just been over 400 years as Egyptian slaves. 
Um, Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. They come up against the, the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. Um, and God says, I have a land for you. I have a promised land for you because you are my people and I am your God. And uh, they, they send some spies into the promised land. Uh, they see some giants, some fortified cities. They get scared. They don't believe that God is going to give them this land. And as a result, God makes them spend a generation, spends 40 years out in the wilderness and in the desert because they did not take the land. They did not have faith in God. Now, just because they're having to wander around in the desert for 40 years doesn't mean that God doesn't take care of them and God doesn't protect them and God doesn't love them and God doesn't provide for them. He does all those things in some miraculous, miraculous ways. And so they are remembering how God took care of their ancestors when they wandered around in the desert. One of the things, they had all these rituals during the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, We're going to talk about one in particular today. Um, But one of them was they would live in huts. They would live in tents. They would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they would stay for this 12-day celebration in a tent to remind themselves that before they had permanent shelter, before they had homes, before they had an epicenter, before they even had a land, God took care of them. And, that God, and if God took care of them back then, God is going to take care of them now. And so they would use this time to live in tents or to live in huts to remind themselves of God's provision and God's love and God's protection um, as part of their, their ceremony. And so Jesus, he's doing all this teaching during this celebration. And, in, in, in verse, uh, and let's just kind of read through verse 12 to uh, verse 20. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me, just underline follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees, they're the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. The Pharisees challenged him, said, here you are appearing, uh, you're uh, appearing your own witness. Your, your testimony is not valid. And the reason why they say this is because in, uh, in Roman law, uh, you had to have two eyewitnesses. If you didn't have two eyewitnesses, if you uh, accused somebody and you were the only ones, it, it wasn't even considered in court. So you had to have two eyewitnesses. And so here they're saying, well, Jesus, nobody else is a witness. So what you're saying is it even, isn't even valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses are true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And they asked him, where is your Father? He says, you do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He also or he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not come, meaning the time for his death. So, so here, here's a little context of what's going on here. Every night, um, as part of their celebration, as part, as part of the, uh, uh, the rituals that they would do, they would write, light these two huge candelabras outside the temple. And these candelabras would, would burn so bright that it would light up this section of Jerusalem outside the temple. Uh, and and this, is, this is where Jesus is doing this teaching. 
And these candelabras are lit to commemorate the fact that God had led the people of Israel in the wilderness um, with the glory of his presence. That God had led the people in the desert with the glory of his presence. And, 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 and God's presence was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. So during the day, it, God's presence was in the form of a cloud. At night, God's presence was in the form of a, uh, of a pillar of fire. So, so when the people of Israel, when they're wandering around the desert, God's presence was with the people. During the daytime, it was a cloud. And, and, and God's presence would shade the people of Israel from the, uh, from the heat of the desert. And at night, the desert could get very dark and get very cold, uh, become very dangerous because of predators. And, and God's presence would become this pillar of fire that would protect um, the people of Israel, but also keep them warm. And so the cloud and the fire are both manifestations of God's presence. And it was God guiding and protecting his people. And here we get to John chapter 8, and Jesus has the audacity to say that I am the light of the world, that I am your shade by day, and I am your light at night. Now, one of the major themes of the Bible is that this world is a wilderness. And you don't need a preacher to tell you that. You know that. We know that. Now, the deal is God did not originally create the world as a wilderness. He created the world as paradise. But because of our sin, because of uh, our rebellion, the world is turned into a wilderness. But God does not leave us to ourselves, but God's presence is still with us. And, and even, the, even though the world can be a place of confusion and darkness and cold at times and killer heat and pain and, exha and exhaustion at other times, that God is still with us. But the Bible says that we will not survive this wilderness apart from Jesus. See, Jesus, he, he came and he lived the life that we can't live and he died the death that we deserve. And his presence in our lives, it shades us from the fear of failure. It shades us, shades us from the pain of rejection. It shades us from that inner voice of condemnation that we speak over ourselves. But Jesus, also, Jesus he was rejected so that we can be uh, accepted. He was condemned so that we can be forgiven. He is our shade, but he's also our guiding light. Because there are times in life that we, that we come up against a, a confusing time, a dark time, that we don't know, you know, do we turn left or do we turn right? Which path do we take? But Jesus is our guiding light. He says in the Psalms that he will lead us, he will guide our paths down paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that he will guide our steps. So Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the real cloud. I am the real fire. I, I will give you shade to protect you and fire to guide you, not just for 40 years, not just while you're at camp, not just when you're, when you're walking in the light, but I will do it for eternity when you put your faith in me. That's what it means when Jesus says that I am the light of the world, that his presence will shade us and protect us and lead us and guide us. So, so how do we get God's light into our lives. Let's go back to verse 12, because here's the key. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And get ready to read along here, okay? I'm setting you up here. Jesus spoke again to the people, and he said, I am the light of the world that whoever what? Oh, you're with me. Oh, man, that's so great. Whoever follows me, key, key, key phrase there, 
follows me. Now, now, as we read this, it would appear that Jesus is saying, or we would assume that Jesus is saying, well, hey, if you'll just do what I do, if you will just follow my teachings perfectly, if you'll just follow my example, and that really preaches well, and a preacher could use that, you know, take us down a path, you know, to get us to modify our behavior and, and change certain things that we do and stop doing these things and start doing those things. But that's not what Jesus means. When he says, follow me, it's so much more meaningful. It's so much more fuller. It's so much more encompassing than just follow my example. Let's keep reading. Let's jump in where we left off in verse 21. It says, once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And this made the Jews ask, well, will he kill himself? Is, is that why he says, uh, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. And if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. In other words, I can do something about your sin. I'm going to do something about your sin. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. You guys have been in the audience. You guys have been following me around. You guys know what I've been teaching, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. And they said, they did, not, they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, and this is, this is how we get the light of Jesus in our lives. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed in him. You see, in order for us to follow Jesus, we, Jesus says we have to see him as lifted up. Skip over a few chapters in John chapter 12. Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus says, you want proof that I am who I say I am? You want proof that I'm the light of the world, that I'm the light from heaven? You know what? Just kill me. You kill me. Because when you kill me, what's going to happen is that's going to release such a wave of power and love and forgiveness and mercy and grace into the world that hearts will be caught up. In that wave. On Friday, when they crucified Jesus, his executioners walked away saying, Well, at least that's one revolutionary we don't have to worry about anymore. But on Sunday, the greatest revolution that the world has ever seen began. On that Easter, that first Easter Sunday, Morning, the greatest revolution through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest revolution the world has ever seen began. And Jesus, what he's saying to these people and what he's saying to us is to follow me. You have to see me as lifted up. You have to see me as crucified for you. That's what Jesus is saying. You have to see me. You have to embrace me. And you have to believe in me as crucified for you. Jesus is not asking us to follow his example. 
If God sent Jesus into the world to be our example, then we're done for because not one of us can live up to this standard. He came and he lived the standard. He lived the life that we cannot live. And because we do not live up to this standard, he died the death that every one of us deserve. We don't need an example. What we need is a savior. And Jesus came and he took care of all of the requirements. He, he fulfilled every single requirement according to God's holy law. And he fulfilled them not as our example, but as our substitute. That's what he did. He, he fulfilled them as our substitute. And when we see him as lifted up, we see him as crucified in our place. And so the question is, have we really seen him crucified in our place? Have we seen him lifted up and the wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God raining down on him in our place? He's not our example, people. He's our substitute. He's our savior. And when we truly see him as lifted up in our place, then we'll follow him. Then we'll follow him. And so, so what, how, what impact does the light of Jesus have in our lives? Well, John, he goes on to write a couple other books in the New Testament. He writes this letter in 1 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. In 1st John chapter 1, he says this, he writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. So we've heard it and we're giving it. That God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, one of the reasons why we don't experience our... Let me just forget about y'all for a minute. One of the reasons why I don't experience the fullness, the excitement, the joy, the, the, being, and, the and the contentment that comes with the life of Jesus that, that he calls us to, calls me to, is because I have the tendency to pick and choose when and where I will obey. And I think we all do that. That we kind of pick and choose when and where we're going to obey God. And, and, and when we're doing that, we, we don't have this fullness and, 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 and this contentment and this joy and this excitement that comes with the life that Jesus calls us to. And when we don't walk in the light, we're not walking with that, that fellowship, that joy, that fulfillment, that, that, that excitement, that contentment that he offers us. Because fellowship with God is not just saying our prayers, but fellowship with God is pouring out our, our hearts to the Lord. Fellowship with God is just not reading our Bibles to check something off the list, but it's, but it's, it's meditating and it, we may only get to a couple of verses for the day, but it's not, about, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And you say, well, I'll never get through the whole Bible if I'm just doing two or three verses a day. Okay, we have all eternity to get through the Bible. But it's about meditating, 
We'll talk about more of that next week. That, that fellowshipping with God, it's not just coming to church because this is a good way to start off our week and, and singing songs, but it's coming and, and to church and, and being with our brothers and sisters and, and living out the songs that we sing. See, there's a difference when we're walking in the light and, and, and we're enjoying this, this fellowship that we have with God. You see, the more we see Jesus, the more we really see him lifted up, the more we really see that he came and lived the life that we can't live and died the death that we deserve. The more we see Jesus, the more we walk in his light, the more we see that he really was who he says he was, and he did what he said he was going to do. The more we see Jesus, the more humble we become because it's, it's more of Jesus and less of me. The, the more we, we see Jesus, the more we see that it really isn't our performance or our track, track record, or our religious activities that, that earn us salvation, but it's real, but salvation and forgiveness of sin is a free gift of God for anyone who would put their faith in him. The more we see Jesus, the more we walk in his light, the more we see that our source of identity and approval and acceptance and significance and hope and security is what Jesus has done for us and who Jesus says we are. That, that, when, that when we are walking in the light, then people reject us. Yes, it's going to hurt, but we say, oh, oh th- yes, what they said about me hurts. But, but what Jesus has to say about me weighs more in my heart. See, the more we see Jesus and the more we walk in his light, the more we see just how unfailing God's love and mercy and grace is for us, even when I fail him. The more we see Jesus and walk in his light. And here's the deal. The more we see that changing bad habits is not about mustering up enough willpower, but it's about seeing just how attractive this life that he calls us to is. And just how exciting and joyous and content and peace and gentleness and kindness flows out of following him because that's the key to overcoming sin in our hearts it's not how much willpower can i muster up it's how how much more do i see jesus value in my life than what this brings over here as the band comes and just gets ready for us to to respond let me just Verse 12, one more time, and hopefully it has more weight as we just look at the light that this cross gives. And the light that this cross shows off compares nothing to the light that Jesus brings into our lives. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And whoever, I I, I think that's my favorite word in this whole verse, is whoever. That whoever. In other words, it it doesn't matter what your past is or what your past isn't. It it doesn't matter how far you've run from God or how long you've been tracking with God. It doesn't matter if if you've been coming around church your whole life or, or this is your very first day you've ever been in church. We all fall under whoever. Whoever follows me. 
Whoever sees me lifted up will never walk in darkness. Will never have to kind of reach and, and try to grab on for anything or everything or something to help stabilize them and keep them from falling. We, we won't have to walk in darkness. But we will have the light of life. 